we're listening to Golden Spurs now, named to reflect the coronation regalia. It's the first item of regalia that will be presented to the king after he has been vested in the coronation vestments. And this march was composed for the 1937 coronation procession by Sam Rhodes. And he served as director of music for the band of the Scots Guards throughout the 1950s. Blues and Royals at the head of the carriage there, in their blue tunics and red plumes. And the Postilions there in state dress. There are Postilions on the left-hand three horses of the three pairs, making six Windsor Greys. reaching out to see if they can get the best picture they can. Plenty of flags waving too, but as I say, the Colstrom guards all the way along are showing their respect. And to the right of the carriage, we can just see the marching excellence of the garrison sergeant major there. Warrant officer first class Vern Stokes, who literally almost at the Queen Consort side here, right in the center of our picture, he has designed this parade and he's guided through the training and he's delivering by staying literally at his sovereign's side as they pass by now the citadel where so much of the second world war was led and make their way towards admiralty arch and the procession starts to move from the street liners made up of the household division and into those provided by the senior service, the Royal Navy, in which the King served for some time. The Royal Navy leading the street lining all the way up to Admiralty Arch, and through it, the Royal Marines. You see them with their pith helmets on either side there. And the White Ensigns. From the top of the arch, the White Ensign that has flown with great pride by Royal Navy warships throughout the world. It says, built in the reign of King Edward VII, with great gratitude to the reign of Queen Victoria.
procession passes underneath Admiralty Archer. Amongst those uh, gathering there, 354 uniformed cadet forces offered the opportunity for uh, the first glimpse for them of the King as he heads to Westminster Abbey. Also passing by Trafalgar Square, as you can see, uh, lots of demonstrations there. Not my King, says some of the banners. We believe that the Metropolitan Police has arrested six people already this morning. They were having none of it. Uh, even before the banners were unfurled, they stopped them as they were taking them out of their vehicle and arrested them. They will be seeing no more of this ceremony today. Lots of concerns as well about the cost of the coronation on this um, a challenge for so many of you watching um, today as more and more royals arrive here at Westminster Abbey ahead of the King and Queen, as you can see, processing along Whitehall now on their way to the Abbey, just a few moments away. I always wanted to know what the, the greys there, there's six of them on the way out, eight of them on the way back because the gold coach is a ton heavier than this coach, if you can believe it. Icon, Tyrone, Shadow, Knightsbridge, Milford Haven and Newark are pulling the King and Queen as they make their way here. On the way back, uh, Meg and Newark will join them. You can see Prince Andrew arriving now. And I can see Harry as well, can't I? Prince Harry is uh, arriving now. We, as anticipated, he is going to uh, be sitting with Beatrice and Eugenie, is what we're being told. A pat on the back from uh, Eugenie's uh, husband just a few moments ago, reassuring him it must be a very stressful time for uh, Prince Harry. But the King is said to be uh, pleased and relieved that his younger son took the opportunity to uh, come today for this, his mother uh, his father and mother-in-law's uh, first day, stepmother, I should say, as more and more royals start to arrive now, waiting for the Prince and Princess of Wales, Prince of Wales, now the heir to the throne, of course, and we're promised all three of the youngsters will be here as we wait for them to get out of the car. Dominic uh, is here with me. Dominic, we've seen lots of kings and queens and um, leaders of state arriving. We have. We've we've just seen um, this, this is the close members of the uh, members of the close royal family. We've seen descendants of uh, George VI, George V, the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester, the Earl of Snowden. Uh, we've seen the uh, the Prince Michael of Kent and uh, various other dukes and duchesses. As you say, before that, we've had royalty from around the world. Now, uh, traditionally, royalty from foreign royals have not been invited to. British coronations because coronations are seen as kind of intimate ceremonies between the monarch and, and its creator, but an exception has been made on this occasion. So we, a very fine sight they were as well, proceeding into the Abbey. Our late Queen's uh, youngest son, uh, now the Duke of Edinburgh, of course, Edward also arriving uh, with uh, Sophie Wessex and their two children are seen as the late Queen's um, favourite uh, member of the not immediate royal family, if you will, and taking the opportunity to just uh, reorganise their dress ahead of heading into Westminster Abbey. This, the Coronation Abbey, and in just a few moments' time, we will see the King and Queen arrive.
As the king continues to approach the Duke and Duchess of Gloucester, the Duchess wearing the robes of Dame Grand Cross of the Royal Victorian Order and the Duke as a Knight of the Garter. The Princess Royal in the robes of the Order of the Thistle of Scotland and with her husband, Admiral Sir Tim Lawrence. Her Royal Highness will have to remove the robe very quickly at the end of the service in order to get onto horseback and to escort the king back. So the collar of the Order of the Thistle is being worn underneath the mantle today. And about to process down after meeting the chapter, the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Dean of Westminster are the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh. The Duke dressed as a Knight of the Garter and the Duchess as a Dame Grand Cross of the Royal Victorian Order, followed by their children, the Earl of Wessex and Lady Louise mountbatten Windsor. Approaching now Dining Street. And then passing that most contemplative memorial of all in London, the Cenotaph, beside which the King led the nation last year at Remembrance Sunday and will do throughout his reign. We remember those who have given their lives, even at the centre of this great ceremonial occasion. the side of the king at the moment the Royal Air Force providing the street liners and they also pass through a part of the route which was lined by uniformed civilian organizations just behind the carriage you can see the standard of the lifeguards there, given by the king to the lifeguards only a few weeks ago see Britannia on the front of Diamond Jubilee State Coach. Coming now to Parliament Square where a hundred of the Royal British Legion with their banners are waiting to lower them all in salute. A salute from the veterans who have served Elizabeth II and, of course, the King. The rain really is pouring down, but then it tends to do that at coronations. Just uh, a few moments now until we have our first 
proper view of Charles and Camille. Only the second time ever that a coronation has been covered live on television. The first time almost didn't happen. The palace had apparently been reluctant for the event to be covered and reports Winston Churchill was unhappy that viewers might be watching the event while drinking beer at home. Thankfully, pressure from the uh, media and MPs prevailed and more than 27 million people watched these events on their TV sets in the UK. 11 million listened on the radio, 10 million watched at someone else's home. What must be going through their minds as they prepare for this coronation? Just a few moments away now before we get that first proper view of the King and Queen. It was in the 1040s that St. Edward the Confessor built the first abbey at Westminster, and he declared it would be a coronation church. First coronation took place there on Christmas Day 1066, when William the Conqueror was crowned Rex Angelorum, King of England. In his poem, Edward Waller gives a sense of what the abbey meant. That antique pile behold, where royal heads receive the sacred gold. It gives them crowns and does their ashes keep. There, made like gods, like mortals here they sleep, making the circle of their reigns complete. These sons of empire, where they rise, they said. To this place of coronation, a new king arrives and will pass through one of the great Church of England sacraments of Holy Communion, within which the further sacrament of the unction and anointing will be given to his hands, his chest, and his head, before he is invested with symbols, the regalia, that will teach him how to be a servant leader following the example of Jesus Christ. And finally, he will be crowned. And that moment will be witnessed by us all. And the guns will fire to give news of the event. When he comes to a halt, the sovereign's escort will wait. All will turn in. And the field officer will give his salute and the trumpeter will sound inside while inside too a fanfare will be played to welcome the king to his coronation
moment or two now and then we will see the king and queen proper for the first time ahead of heading into Westminster Abbey and the first coronation for some 70 years. The king will be pleased that both his sons are here to support him along with other senior royals and family members. By his side, Queen Camilla. We uh, were told that the queen wanted her to be known as Queen Consort. The king said that was not going to happen. She would be known as Queen Camilla. A lot of effort has been put into her robes. Amanda Waitley is here with me. It's been designed, we believe, the dress by Bruce Oldfield, or the robes. Not sure what it's going to look like as yet. That's correct. Designed by Bruce Oldfield. Looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, we most certainly are. We're hearing that um, it, it's likely to have flowers and small animals, bees, that sort of thing, in an homage to their love of the countryside. That's what I believe, and that would be um, very respectful to their love of the countryside. Indeed, so we'll see it in just a moment or two. Dominic here as well. Dominic, uh, we all are being asked, we're told, to uh, swear an allegiance. I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to the law. So help me God. We're not sure how many of the uh, members uh, of both here in, in uh, Britain, of course, but uh, members of the Commonwealth as well might do that. No, that's right, Kane. The Archbishop of Canterbury has been asked about that. I think yeah, some people have been surprised that uh, that's going to be part of the service. It's a, a, a new invention for this coronation service, uh, and he says it's up to people if they want to uh, pledge their allegiance that they can. It'll be the acclamation of millions, uh, and uh, it'll be an important part of the service. There are the bells of Westminster Abbey peeling out for us as we watch the King and Queen Consort preparing to descend uh, from the coronation coach. Those bells will be heard inside as the royal family wait. And off to the right of our picture, royal families from other parts of the world. We see the Crown Prince of Denmark, the Duke and Duchess of Edinburgh, waiting for the service to begin with Princess Royal and other members of the royal family behind, including the Duke of Sussex and the empty seats that remain to the left there of the Duke of Edinburgh will be filled by the Prince and Princess of Wales and Princess Charlotte and Prince Louis of Wales. They'll be coming shortly. They will be received. They've come just a little bit to the side in order they can disembark and come into the service. And again, the Prince of Wales will be wearing the robes of the Order of the Garter, and there's young Prince Louis and Princess Charlotte. Beside the Sovereign's escort, the Prince Louis looking out to find out when the door's going to be opened. He's giving it a bit of a wave, ready to head on in as the trumpets are sounded inside. Westminster Abbey.
the congregation stands for the beginning of the King's procession led by the Cross of Wales, inside which are two pieces of the true cross that were sent by the Pope as a present to the King. Following it, members of the ecclesiastical household, including the Bishop of London, who's Dean of the Chapels Royal there, the Archbishop of York, and also followed by the heralds, and the Percivants leading in the procession which will be timed to perfectly pick up His Majesty the King when he arrives. And there the orders of chivalry. And we can see uh, Queen Camilla now for the first time looking absolutely magnificent, Amanda. Totally magnificent. Yes, and attended by her um, page boys. Ladies of companion yeah. and her page boys. One of them, I believe, is Freddie, her grandson. Apparently, um, he is a huge Tottenham Hotspur fan, and we were being told by his father, Tom, that he has his Tottenham Hotspur strip on underneath his page boy outfit. That's How very it. modern. That's brilliant. He needs it today. Yeah, and we see the king as well uh, arriving for uh, the first time heading in to the abbey uh, one wonders what must be going through his mind right now he was here 70 years ago where of course when he was just four years old um, to witness the coronation of his mother princess anne the princess royal deemed to have been too young at the time to attend but we have seen i think louis george and Charlotte are all here as well as we see images of the King. The Prince and Princess of Wales, who will file past and will take their places under the lantern. For the King wearing the Crimson Robe of State. He is going to join this procession, which has now the chapter of Westminster, and the Archbishop of Canterbury, led by the Canterbury Cross, and also the Dean of Westminster. Prince and Princess of Wales in their robes of the Order of the Garter and the Royal Victorian Order, respectively. while his grandson, just at the back there on the left, Prince George of Wales, as the Queen Mary crown, carried there by the Duke of Wellington, to be placed upon Queen Camilla's head after she's been anointed by the Archbishop shortly. It was made for Queen Mary for the coronation in 1911. Just ahead there, on the left, holding the scepter with the cross, the Chief of the General Staff. And on the right, carrying the scepter with the dove. The Duke of Buccleuch, on the left there, carries the scepter with the cross. And the Earl Marshal of England, Duke of Norfolk, with all the other items of the regalia, 
the Spurs, Chief of the Defence Staff, as the Lord High Constable. He was appointed at 7 o'clock this morning. The Honourable Corps of Gentlemen-at-Arms, the closest bodyguard to the King, now leading the scepter with the dove of kingly mercy. The orb, the globe or cosmos surmounted by the cross and St. Edward's crown being carried by the Lord High Steward, who was appointed also at seven o'clock this morning, an ancient great officer of state, so powerful that they can only be created for the day of coronation. And as is tradition, the playing of I was glad when they said unto me, set to the music of Hubert Parry, as Queen Consul's procession will join in and head to the lantern of this abbey. And when the King and Queen are making their way into the choir, the scholars of Westminster will shout out the vibats in Latin, saying, God save Queen Camilla and God save King Charles.
Garter, King of Arms, leads Samuel Strachan, child of His Majesty's Chapel's Royal, who will address Your the King. Majesty, as children of the Kingdom of God, we welcome you in the name of the King of Kings. In his name and after his example, I come not to be served, but to serve. And the Archbishop will begin the service. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Alleluia! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Dearly beloved, we are gathered to offer worship and praise to Almighty God, to celebrate the life of our nations, to pray for Charles, our King, to recognize and to give thanks for his life of service to this nation, the realms, and the Commonwealth, and to witness with joy his anointing and crowning, his being set apart and consecrated for the service of his people. Let, Let us dedicate ourselves alike in body, mind, and spirit to a renewed faith, a joyful hope, and a commitment to serve one another in love. I move to the first part of the coronation ceremony. This is when we identify that the king is indeed the rightful sovereign, and to the four corners of the compass, the question will be asked, is this Charles your undoubted king? 
First of all, the king will turn to face east, and the archbishop will lead. I here present unto you King Charles, your undoubted king. Wherefore, all you who are come this day to do your homage and service, are you willing to do the same? God save King Charles! The king will now turn to face south, and the Right Honourable Lady Ellis Angelini will ask the question once more. I here present unto you King Charles, your undoubted king. Wherefore, all you who are come this day to do your homage and service, are you willing to do the same? Christopher Finney will ask the question to the West, who won the George Cross in battle. I here present unto you, King Charles, your undoubted king, wherefore all you who are come this day to do your homage and service, are you willing to do the same? God save King Charles! And finally the king will turn to the north, where the Right Honourable, the Baroness Amos, will ask the question for the fourth time. I here present unto you, King Charles, your undoubted king. Wherefore, all you who are come this day to do your homage and service, are you willing to do the same? to the ancient ritual, the Archbishop is now confirmed that this is indeed the rightful King, Charles III, and he will now be asked to make his oath. There are two stages of the oath, the one set by Parliament, and then secondly, he will be required to read out the Accession Declaration Oath, and then sign both documents. But just before that happens, the Bible will be presented to him by the moderator of the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland. Sir, to keep you ever mindful of the law and the gospel of God, as the rule 
for the whole life and government of Christian princes. Receive this book, the most valuable thing that this world has to offer. Here is wisdom. This is the royal law. These are the lively oracles of God. The Bible is left there so that the king can make his oath upon it. Your Majesty, the church established by law, whose settlement you will swear to maintain, is committed to the true profession of the gospel, and in so doing, will seek to foster an environment in which peoples of all faiths and beliefs may live freely. The coronation oath has stood for centuries and is enshrined in law. Are you willing to take the oath? I am willing. Will you solemnly promise and swear to govern the peoples of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, your other realms and the territories to any of them belonging or pertaining, according to their respective laws and customs? I solemnly promise so to do. Will you to your power cause law and justice in mercy to be executed in all your judgments? I will. Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel? Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant Reformed religion established by law? Will you maintain and preserve inviolably the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine, worship, discipline, and government thereof, as by law established in England? And will you preserve unto the bishops and clergy of England and to the churches there committed to their charge all such rights and privileges as by law do or shall appertain to them or any of them? All this I promise to do. The things which I have here before promised, I will perform and keep, so help me God. Your Majesty, are you willing to make, subscribe, and declare to the Statutory Accession Declaration Oath? I am willing. I, Charles, do solemnly and sincerely, in the presence of God, profess, testify, and declare that I am a faithful Protestant, and that I will, according to the true intent of the enactments which secure the Protestant succession to the throne, uphold and maintain the said enactments to the best of my powers according to law. 
as the quietings prevent us, O Lord, in all our doings. The two copies of the oaths will be brought forward by the Lord Chamberlain for the King to sign. This is the only time the monarch will write and sign a written covenant with his people. mercy and compassion. God of compassion and mercy, whose Son was sent not to be served but to serve, give grace that I may find in thy service perfect freedom, and in that freedom knowledge of thy truth. Grant that I may be a blessing to all thy children of every faith and belief, that together we may discover the ways of gentleness and be led into the paths of peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The King will return to his chair of estate as the choir sings Gloria in Excelsis Deo by William Byrd.
we continue with the liturgy of the word and the archbishop will start by reading the collect of the day after which the right honorable rishi sunak prime minister of the united kingdom of great britain and northern ireland will read the epistle which comes from the epistle of the colossians Let us pray. Lord, enthroned in heavenly splendour, look with favour upon thy servant Charles, our King, and bestow upon him such gifts of wisdom and love that we and all thy people may live in peace and prosperity and in loving service one to another. To thine eternal glory, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit reigneth supreme over all things, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen.
a reading from the Epistle to the Colossians. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Debbie Wiseman has composed for this service, Alleluia, Alleluia, O oh, clap your hands together. And while it is sung, the Right Reverend and Right Honourable Dame Sarah Mullally, the Dean of His Majesty's Chapels Royal, will prepare to read the Gospel. center of the congregation. The Lord be with you. 
Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to the Bible from the year 597 will now be escorted back as the Ascension Choir sing Alleluia, Alleluia. Archbishop of Canterbury 
will now preach his sermon. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill our hearts with the flame of your love. Amen. We are here to crown a king, and we crown a king to serve. What is given today is for the gain of all. For Jesus Christ announced a kingdom in which the poor and oppressed are freed from the chains of injustice, the blind see, the bruised and broken-hearted are healed. That kingdom sets the aims of all righteous government, all authority. And the kingdom also sets the means of all government and authority. For Jesus doesn't grasp power or hold on to status. The King of Kings, Jesus Christ, was anointed not to be served, but to serve. He creates the unchangeable law of good authority, that with the privilege of power comes the duty to serve. Service is love in action. We see active love in our care for the most vulnerable, the way we nurture and encourage the young in the conservation of the natural world. We have seen those priorities in the life of duty lived by our King. Today, we have the honour of being in this Abbey with so many who show such love. You work with charities and organisations. You build community. You serve the nation in armed forces, in emergency services, and so many other ways. Next door are 400 or more extraordinary young people in St. Margaret's Church whose lives speak of service. Around the world, in realms and commonwealth, are so many more. You live your lives for the sake of others. The unity you show, the example you give, is what binds us together and offers societies that are strong, joyful, happy and glorious. They bear heavy weights for us. And the weight of the task given today, Your Majesties, is only bearable by the Spirit of God, who gives us the strength to give our lives to others. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the King is given freely what no ruler 
can ever attain through will or politics or war or tyranny. The Holy Spirit draws us to love in action. This is promised by Jesus, who put aside all privilege because, as the first reading tells us, God will give all things for our sake, even his own life. His throne was a cross. His crown was made of thorns. His regalia were the wounds that pierced his body. Each of us is called by God to serve. Whatever that looks like in our own lives, each of us can choose God's way today. We can say to the King of Kings, God himself, as does the King here today, give grace that in thy service I may find perfect freedom. In that prayer, there is promise beyond measure, joy beyond dreams, hope that endures. By that prayer, for every king, every ruler, and yes, for every person, for all of us, we are opened to the transforming love of God. Amen. We now move to the third part of the coronation, the anointing, the most sacred part. We will hear in English, Welsh, Gaelic, and Irish the call for the Holy Ghost, come Holy Ghost, our souls inspire, and enlighten with celestial fire.
the Archbishop in Jerusalem receives the ampullae from the Dean. Blessed art thou, Sovereign God, upholding with thy grace all who, are, all who are called to thy service. The prophets of old anointed priests and kings to serve in thy name, and in the fullness of time thine only Son was anointed by the Holy Spirit to be the Christ, the Saviour and servant of all. By the power of the same Spirit, grant that this holy oil may be for thy servant Charles a sign of joy and gladness, that as King he may know the abundance of thy grace and the power of thy mercy, and that we may be made a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for thine own possession. Blessed be God, our strength and our salvation, now and forever. Amen. The king will now be divested of his robe of state and prepared for anointing. A screen will come forward with one trooper and five guardsmen of the household division and will be held around the coronation chair made in 1300 for King Edward I. And then at the moment of anointing, the soldiers will bow their heads. And the Archbishop of Canterbury will anoint the king's hands, breast and head with holy oil. In, in the words of William Shakespeare of Richard II, not all the water in the rough rude sea can wash the balm from an anointed king.
after being anointed, the king has been dressed first of all in the Kalobim Sindonis, a very simple white garment, worn, we believe, by farmers in the Byzantine Empire. And then the Dalmatic, a gold coat, as he is prepared, as though a priest ready to celebrate Mass. And then the girdle is attached. And the process of the investiture with the regalia that will ultimately lead to crowning will begin. First of all, the spurs of St. George. Receive these spurs, symbols of military honor and chivalry, that you may be a brave advocate for those in need. Byzantine chant and song will now sing to evoke the ancient traditions and to recall those of the king himself through his father, the Duke of Edinburgh, who was a prince of Greece. In the meantime, Lord President of the Council has replaced the sword of state with the jeweled sword of state, which will be girded to the king by the archbishop after being blessed. O Lord, we beseech thee, and so direct and support thy servant, King Charles, that he may not bear the sword in vain, but may use it as the minister of God to resist evil and defend the good, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. jeweled sword of offering will be placed into the king's right hand. Receive this kingly sword. May it be to you and to all who witness these things a sign and symbol not of judgment but of justice, not of might but of mercy. The king will rise and the sword will be attached to the girdle. With this sword, do justice. Stop the growth of iniquity. Protect the Holy Church of God and all people of goodwill. Help and defend widows and orphans. Restore the things that have gone to decay. Maintain the things that are restored. Punish and reform what is amiss and confirm what is in good order. That doing these things you may be glorious in all virtue 
and so faithfully serve our Lord Jesus Christ in this life, that you may reign forever with him in the life which is to come. Amen. The king will stand and will offer the sword at the altar. The Dean of Westminster will receive it. The king will then return to the coronation chair and the sword will be redeemed and returned to the Lord President of the Council with the payment of a hundred shillings according to ancient custom. will then be drawn and carried by the Lord President of the Council along with the other three swords here, the three swords of justice including Katana, the one at the centre we see to the right with those three former Chiefs of Defence Staff, Katana, the sword of mercy broken at the end. The armills will be brought from the altar by Lord Camel, and the king will touch them. Receive the bracelets of sincerity and wisdom, token of the Lord's protection, embracing you on every side. The robe royal is now brought, made for the coronation of King George IV in 1821. It is supposed to represent the four corners of the world and to enfold the king with wisdom and righteousness and to be the garment of salvation. First of all, the stole is placed on by the Prince of Wales. The stole with the plant badges of the United Kingdom and also the eagle, which is also on the robe. The clasp will be connected the chest of the king by his son, the Prince of Wales. Receive this robe, 
May the Lord clothe you with the robe of righteousness and with the garments of salvation. The Archbishop of Armagh and Primate of All Ireland and Metropolitan will now bring the orb to the Archbishop who will place it in the King's right hand. It represents the cosmos and Christ's dominion. Receive this all, set under the cross, and remember always that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. The ring will be brought from the altar by the Right Honourable Lord Patel, and the King will touch the ring. Receive this ring, symbol of kingly dignity and a sign of the covenant sworn this day, between God and King, King and people. The King will now be invested with two scepters, one of power and one of mercy. But before that, for his right hand that will take the scepter of kingly power, a glove to remind him to be gentle in the use of power. Receive this glove, that you may hold authority with gentleness and grace, trusting not in your own power, but in the mercy of God. The scepter of kingly power is placed into the king's right hand. Receive the royal scepter, the ensign of kingly power and justice. and the scepter of mercy. And the rod of equity and mercy, a symbol of covenant and peace. May the Spirit of the Lord who anointed Jesus at his baptism so anoint you this day that you might exercise authority with wisdom and direct your counsels with grace, that by your service and ministry to all your people, Justice and mercy may be seen in all the earth. Everyone will now stand as we approach the moment of crowning with St. Edward's crown. King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, bless, we beseech thee, this crown, and so sanctify thy servant Charles, upon whose head this day thou dost place it for a sign of royal majesty, that he may be crowned with thy gracious favour and filled with abundant grace and all princely virtues. Through him who liveth and reigneth supreme over all things, one God, world without end, 
Amen. God save the king! God save the king! And the guns have fired here in London and at all the saluting stations around the kingdom and at sea. God save the king! Blessings and prayers over the new crowned king and bishops and the cotton will join. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. The Lord protect you in all your ways and prosper all your work in his name. The Lord give you hope and happiness that you may inspire all your people in the imitation of his unchanging love. The Lord grant that wisdom and knowledge 
be the stability of your times and the fear of the Lord your treasure. May God pour upon you the riches of his grace, bless you, and keep you in his holy fear, prepare you for a happy eternity, and receive you at the last into immortal glory. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen. Anointed and crowned. The king will now move for the enthroning in the throne chair, for which gathering around that throne will be the symbols or swords and the great officers of state who will come together to lift his majesty into the throne chair by leaning in and touching him as he sits, symbolically taking possession of his kingdom. Throughout, he is supported by the two bishops of Bath and Wells and of Durham. is his grandson, Prince George Wales, who watches, a grandfather crowned and anointed. The Archbishop will start with a prayer that is almost unchanged since William the Conqueror. Stand firm and hold fast from henceforth this seat of royal dignity, which is yours by the authority of Almighty God. May that same God, whose throne endures forever, establish your throne in righteousness, that it may stand fast forevermore. And now the homage. The scepters will be removed and the glove. 
and a stool brought forward for the Archbishop of Canterbury to make his homage and he will be followed by the Prince of Wales. And then the Archbishop will invite anyone who wishes to take part in the Act of Allegiance. I, Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, will be faithful and true, and faith and truth I will bear unto you, our Sovereign Lord, Defender of the Faith, and unto your heirs and successors, according to law. So help me God. I, William, Prince of Wales, pledge my loyalty to you, and faith and truth I will bear unto you, as your liege man of life and limb. So help me God. He will stand, kiss his father on the right cheek, then touches. I now invite those who wish to offer their support to do so with a moment of private reflection by joining in saying, God save King Charles at the end, or for those with the words before them to recite them in full. I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law. So help me God. God save the King! God save King Charles! Long live King Charles! May the King live forever! And now the choir will sing with Roderick Williams singing his solo, Be Strong.
The Archbishop has now anointed the Queen. The Queen's ring will be brought from the altar by the Keeper of the Jewel House, which Her Majesty will touch. Receive this ring a symbol of royal dignity and a sign of the covenant sworn this day. The crown will be brought from the altar and the queen will be crowned by the archbishop. May thy servant Camilla, who wears this crown, be filled by thine abundant grace and with all princely virtues. Reign in her heart, O King of love, that being certain of thy protection, she may be crowned with thy gracious favour, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Queen's scepter and rod are brought from the altar by Right Reverend and Right Honourable Lord Chartres, and the Right Reverend Rose Hudson Wilkin, Bishop of Dover. Receive the, the royal scepter. Receive the rod of equity and mercy. May the Spirit guide you in wisdom and grace, that by your service and ministry, justice and mercy may be seen in all the earth. Andrew Lloyd Webber wrote this music, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, for he hath done marvellous things. And the Queen Consort will be escorted to her throne chair beside the King.
For him, Christ has made a sure foundation and the precious cornerstone, who the two walls and underlying bound in each binds both in one. Majesties have retired to the shrine of St. Edward the Confessor. Well, they will remove their crowns and prepare for the communion service that will follow, where bread and wine will be blessed to represent the body and blood of Christ, which they will then share as part of their communion with God that is at the center of this sacramental service.
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is very meet, right, and our bounden duty that we should at all times and in all places give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty, everlasting God, through Jesus Christ, thine only Son, our Lord, who hast at this time consecrated thy servant Charles to be our King, that by the anointing of thy grace he may be the defender of thy faith and the protector of thy people, that with him we may learn the ways of service, compassion, and love, and that the good work that thou hast begun in him this day may be brought to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. Therefore, with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name evermore, praising thee and saying, The choir will sing the Sanctus, Holy, Holy, Holy. Glory be to thee, almighty God, our heavenly Father, who of thy tender mercy didst give thine only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who made there, by his one oblation of himself once offered, a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world and did institute, and in his gospel command us to continue 
a perpetual memory of that his precious death until his coming again. Hear us, O merciful Father, we most humbly beseech thee, and grant that by the power of thy Holy Spirit, we receiving these creatures of bread and wine according to, our, to thy Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ's holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood, who, in the same night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks to thee, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, and when he had given thanks to thee, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of this. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as oft as ye shall drink it in remembrance of me. Wherefore, O Lord and Heavenly Father, we thy humble servants, having in remembrance the precious death and passion of thy dear Son, his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, entirely desire thy fatherly goodness mercifully to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, most humbly beseeching thee to grant that by the merits and death of thy Son, Jesus Christ, and through faith in his blood, we and all thy whole church may obtain remission of our sins and all other benefits of his passion. And although we be unworthy through our manifold sins to offer unto thee any sacrifice, Yet we beseech thee to accept this, our bounden duty and service, not weighing our merits, but pardoning our offences, and to grant that all we who are partakers of this holy communion may be fulfilled with thy grace and heavenly benediction. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be unto thee, O Father Almighty, world without end. Amen. Each in our own preferred language, let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. 
Tarek O'Regan has composed for this service the Agnus Dei, O Lamb of God that takest away the sins of the world. During its singing, their majesties will receive Holy Communion. the Archbishop and the other two presiding bishops return to the altar. The Archbishop will then lead the post-communion prayer and then give the blessing. <laughs> 